Welcome to Clearview Community Church Online. Clearview Community Church is one church in multiple locations that exists to see people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, for information about this church and all of the family, community, youth, and children's programs, visit us at our website, clearviewcommunity.church. So today we're looking at Luke 9, 37 to 43. What's happened right before this story is key to understanding it. Jesus has traveled with his disciples and a growing crowd and doing ministry around this region called Galilee. Now Jesus, he demonstrates his power. He's shown to be the Messiah, the deliverer from evil, and he's shown to be God in the flesh. Now we get to today's story in Luke 9. 37 to 43. It says, The next day when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. And a man in that crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he's my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. And even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. So put yourself into the mind of this father. Oh no, not again. Please no, not now. No, 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 no. The father's mind races as his son slams into the ground. The boy's body shakes and tremors and quivers and twitches and the boy cries out in agony. His mouth foams as his body is racked with pain. Slowly the convulsions stop. The boy lies down on the ground in fatigue. He's too tired to get up. And the boy quietly whispers, Dad, help. And the dad's heart is destroyed because there's nothing that he can do. And he thinks to himself, I would do anything and I would give anything to help him. This is the story of the demon-possessed boy, or maybe better titled, the story of the desperate dad. The father in this story is distraught. After years of caring for his son, fighting this battle against evil, he has to absolutely be exhausted. Odds are he's had to save his son's life from all kinds of harm dozens and dozens of times. The family itself, it's being ripped apart. There's no dignity for them. Their neighbors, their extended family, and their friends, they won't even come near them. It's like they're contagious. He's running out of strength for the battle. But he keeps fighting because that is what a dad does. They fight for their kids. And then this daddy hears about a group of people following some random rabbi from Nazareth. They're doing miracles, 
Rumors tell of scraps of food multiplying into excess amounts for feasting. What a dream that would be. Further rumors tell about miraculous healings. People seeing, people walking, lepers being healed, and even more interesting rumors of people whose lives have been taken over by the forces and the spirits of evil. These people, they've been set free and been given back to their families. Now, I think it's important here to note something, that every account of this story in the Bible, even in church tradition, it states that this boy is experiencing demon possession. Now, as you look at the text, you actually might be inclined to think that this is a case of what we call epilepsy. The symptoms really do look like it. But all of our texts, multiple gospel accounts, church history, and church tradition all label this as the forces of evil wreaking havoc on a young boy. And that is exactly what's happening. So the desperate dad, with a hint of hope, a glimmer of gusto, he brings his son to the disciples of the rabbi. Now this is likely no small feat traveling with this boy anywhere. But desperate times, desperate measures. And he begs them. Something that in this honor and shame-based culture is seen as completely degrading. But dad does not care because dad is desperate. The disciples place their hands on the boy while he convulses. Nothing happens. For some reason, the disciples can't heal this kid. They can't free him. Now in Mark chapter 9, it tells us the same story from another vantage point and gives us a bit of an idea as to why nothing happens. Jesus tells them that this kind of scenario, it's only solved through prayer. So what happens? I think that there's a possibility that the desperate dad and the disciples make the mistake of thinking that they're going to solve this on their own power and their own ability. And instead of praying or asking God to do what he can do through his power, they skip the vital important step of asking God to deal with the evil in this young boy's body. Instead, they try their hardest. They put all their efforts in, they close their eyes and, and scrunch their face, and it comes up as futile. So this story, it's a, a blatant statement that we cannot deal with the evil that exists in the world by our own powers. Now, in an age of social justice, advocacy, and social movements, that is a really hard pill to swallow. When we're faced with the weight of the problems created by evil in the world, maybe you're like me and overcome with feelings of inadequacy, panic, or perhaps like the story and this father, moments of desperation. And I can only assume that you've experienced the effects of sin and death and destruction in God's good world. You've experienced possibly moments of desperation, just like this desperate dad does. You've also experienced or observed yourself or others placing their trust in everything but Jesus in order to find solutions and defeat that evil in the world. People, we place our, our hopes and dreams in politicians only to be let down when we shockingly realize that they're simply human. We place our hopes in medicine only to realize there's no such thing as a miracle cure. Sometimes maybe we place our hope 
in educational systems or corrections, intervention programs, advocacy groups, and even more. And all of these have their appropriate place and role in a society, but all fall just a little bit short. The world experiences evil, and the Christian faith is very upfront about it. But it also presents a solution, a solution that the rest of the world and its systems do not, and it's Jesus. So we go back. We go back to the desperate dad. He only sees one option. He and his son are two among thousands of people, all clamoring for a glimpse of the traveling, miracle-working rabbi named Jesus. He pushes his way through the crowd, and for every person that he passes by, it seems like there are two more placed right in front of him. At this point, he's already thrown his dignity and his honor away by begging the disciples. So he does not care about what he is going to do next. He screams at the top of his lungs over the crowd, Teacher, I beg you, look at my son. He's just a child. He runs to the one who has the power and authority to make things change. He runs to the one who's known for defeating demons. He runs to the one who can, and he throws aside every remaining shred of dignity, and he begs Jesus to do what only he can do. Now, Jesus' response, it's jarring to say the least. It doesn't show us who he's speaking to, but Jesus speaks out, calling the generation unbelieving and perverse. Wow. So my suggestion is that unbelieving and twisted might be a better word for us to understand this. They've not believed in the power of Jesus, and they've twisted their understanding into thinking that it's the power of the disciples, not the power and authority of Jesus that delivers us from evil. So the words of Jesus, they're both a reprimand and a reminder. It's Jesus that delivers us from evil, and do not forget it. Now we see Jesus' actions, they're beautiful. We're shown he rebukes the spirit, he heals the boy, and then he gives him back to his father. So today, in the face of evil and the implications of it, the effects of it, the repercussions and the pains of this evil in the world, the words and the actions of Jesus in this story are both a reprimand and a reminder. Let us not forget who deals with evil once and for all in his death and in his resurrection. It's Jesus. When he declares on the cross, it is finished, he means it. Even further, his actions on the cross and the resurrection, we see Jesus rebuke evil, heal the people, and return them back to their heavenly Father. The ultimate solution to the problem of evil in this world is not systems, programs, and policies, all of which have the potential for good. But the solution to the problem of evil it's found in the person of Jesus. And when the desperate dad realizes that, he does not care what anyone else thinks about him. All that this dad cares about is that Jesus can save his son. 
And Jesus responds to the desperate cry of the dad's heart and the desperate cry of our hearts when we say, deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and yours is the power and yours is the glory. So today as we close, let us not forget the prayer, to pray the way that the desperate dad and the disciples should have. So if you'd like to today, pray with me the Lord's Prayer as we close. Our Father in heaven, hallowed is your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.